1: great arts of conversation sounds charming.
2: The only thing that sounds better is the radio.
0: Well, I tune right in at midnight, tend to the radio waves. I honed my thoughts till they were just right. Always listen to the Bradley Jay. I was open to views with ears on the news. As they talked, I was focused so much. I called on the phone in my car in my home. Came out in control and in touch. The middle, the sound and the dots that surround. When they said speak up, I didn't walk. Ooh, Jay
1: Talk.
0: Jay, 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 talking, talking. Oh, WBZ.
2: Talking continues with Craig Fitzgerald and your host, Bradley J. And we're talking about cars. Craig's from bestride.com. You might want to check it out while you're listening if you have a computer right in front of you. A couple things uh, we uh, chewed over during the break. One involves music, and it's come to my attention that the Beatles are have allowed their song Help to be used in a
1: commercial, a Google commercial, as
2: I understand it. And, and who, there's
1: out there's outrage. I'm trying to think who own, Does Paul McCartney own those songs again now? There's a
2: or a, 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 the, the Beatles group of them. consortium. I think there's yeah. a group. A, yes, Olivia
1: yeah. and Paul and Ringo. Yep. I guess.
2: Yep. And a Yoko. Yoko. Yep. I guess so. And as I understand it, that's what I, I talked to an expert, and uh, that's what that expert said. And I'm sort of shocked that that's the case. And the reason this is, automotively relevant is. Bands that we love have used their songs before to do cars. Maybe it's worse worse with Google because that's insidious. But it's happened before, and you were listing off some of the
1: the bands that have used their songs to sell automobiles. I, I think I think the most egregious that you know the sort of affected me most negatively was when uh, Jaguar used the Clash's "London Calling" to sell you know an x-type or whatever it jaguar. was it wasn't even a particularly
2: good jaguar you know london and calling that london and so right. the protest that, song. Was, that was
1: like that but was a protest song it was like you know using a, a bob dylan song to 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 sell uh you know paper towels it just oh it just seems so wrong to me and you know maybe it's because i you know i i you know, I'm a I'm a guy who was around the age when that that song was relevant.
2: Yeah, to hear it seemed, used is terrible.
1: Yeah, it just it just seemed so wrong. And I I don't begrudge anybody I guess for making a few bucks from one of their songs if they were, you know, a struggling artist to begin with. You know, the Ramones who who, who you know had great songs and never had a you know a hit record really. Uh, if, if, if the remaining people can make a few bucks off of their songs, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. But it just seemed wrong that Jaguar was going to use that that song in an advertisement.
2: It seems strange to me. I, I guess some bands might need the money. Maybe whoever right. owns the Clash catalog is running out of money. But the Beatles are not running out of money. And no, I, no. What, what do you suppose was the thinking behind it?
1: I, I, I don't know. I mean, they must. I'm sure the way this worked out was some. Some ad agency, some, some you know, hip dude at, a, at an ad agency said, you know, approached them and said, here's how we're going to use this song and here's how we envision it and here's how we think people are going to react. And, by the way, we're going to – and as I slide this number across the desk to you, this is what we're going to pay you for this. I'm sure that was the deciding factor. The money? The money. For the Beatles? Yes. But they don't – okay, checking the cheat sheet.
2: Entertainment at Google, Paul McCartney net worth 1.2 billion bucks. If you believe that, how, why would he allow
1: his great work to be? I don't know, spat upon like that. Uh, I, you know, I I don't know if that. I guess, you know, the pitch is that that's not what's going to happen. The pitch is, hey, you know, we're providing this service to people and we want to associate your song with it.
2: Yeah, it really would be we're going to spy on people.
1: Yeah. Using our yeah, service. Right. we want but your song associated with it's it. It's not like the Beatles haven't done this before, right? I mean, they've done this a million times. And what, what, when else? Um, I'm trying I, to not think. A quiz, when else they used? I mean, they've used a lot of other, you know, a lot of other okay. Beatles songs for for advertising purposes. The Who, for a short period of time, just seemed to be everywhere. Now, Won't get fooled again. Seemed to be used to advertise everything from cars to toilet paper. It just, you know, it just seemed to be all over the place at, at at one point. And I don't know. It it always feels bad to me. Feels bad. The you only time it, it didn't. Bad. The only time it didn't, which is ironic, was when they used uh search and destroy the, the Stooges song yeah. for an Audi ad. And it seemed for some reason, it seemed so absurd that I gave Iggy Pop a pass. Really? Yes. Because I can imagine him, you know, this is a guy, Iggy Bob doesn't have a, I'm sure doesn't have a ton of money. He's got a few bucks laying around. The only way he's getting paid, really, is to do stuff like this. And they said, oh, I'm sure he sat in a, in a meeting with a bunch of cool ad executives. No, oh, Iggy, you know, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, and we're handing cool. We're with his, Iggy. He, he had his shirt let's get off. A, let's get a selfie. <laughs> he had his shirt off, and they explained this thing to us. Yeah, 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 I'll just take the check and walk away. And I, I didn't feel... Dirty, when when I when I heard that, you know, I th- I thought that was uh, that was kind of a cool use of that.
2: And one other thing before we get to the next thing, Matthew McConaughey has really sort of sold his soul to
1: Chrysler, right? <laughs> oh no, Lincoln, Lincoln, sorry, Lincoln. Yeah, was his uh, that was his his brand for a while. He was doing that a lot. I see him less now uh, than I did. Do you remember when Sid Vicious was? Uh, was they they used his uh, uh, cover of My Way to sell an Acura? Oh, like, my God. Just, like, <laughs> why why would you want to
2: associate yourself with that? This, this is interesting. Though. They really try to make you feel like a punk?
1: Yes. Buying an Acura? Buying a, you know, a $50,000 Acura. It's
2: good enough for Sid. It's good enough for me. Right, right, exactly. I'm a punk
1: in my Acura. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I am an old, aging 50 year old punk who fits the demographic for Acura perfectly. What's going to push me over the edge is this Sid Vicious song.
2: You know, which brings us to a lot of cars are kind of the same. They kind of have the same shape. Right. They have different levels, like there's a Toyota Camry and a Toyota the lower Corolla. Right. And then they have a fancier one. They're kind of all the same. The thing that is different is. How they market them and how they make you feel. That you buy this one, you will never actually go flying over a lake with snow on it. Right. But in your mind, you will be. And this is your identity. I'm going to get that. That makes me the guy who will drive up the side of the mountain, even though it never really happens. It's in your head.
1: Well, so there's recently been a kind of internet meme going around with profiles of all of the available uh, crossover SUVs, just a profile outline of all of those cars. And they are literally undefinable. They look exactly the same. They're all the same shape. Sort of eggy. Right. They all come in about four colors. And they all look exactly white, the silver, same.
2: black, and yep. that's it.
1: That's it. It's hard to buy a color now, right? So even the Jeep, which I'm so excited about, aside from red, there's red, orange. blue, and orange. That's it. And and everything else is like either a white, silver, silver white, gray. You know, like this non palette of of colors that you can purchase with that thing.
2: Credit to the Crosscheck, they have this cool blue, yes. like a. Not robin's egg. I don't know what yep. kind
1: of... It is, yeah. It's a very a midnight gold, blue. That's, that's their... A couple other colors. An orange yep, one. Yep, they have an orange one. And, and you know, it looks great, right? You, when you see that car and you see a lot of them around in those colors, they look fantastic.
2: All right, folks. We were talking earlier about how manufacturers do make an effort to market to women. Uh, they have women... They consider women when they market their cars. Then when a woman goes to buy a car or even get it repaired seems the dealers destroy that thing that the manufacturers are trying to build up we want to talk about that but we also want to know about your experience in the dealership
1: yeah i definitely want to know if it's changed um you women know, used
2: to get the runaround for sure, they right? Used,
1: they used to get the. Why don't you go talk to your husband and bring him in, and we'll, we'll the, the, you know we'll we'll talk about it when your husband's here. And did they try to sell I'm them? stuff I'm hoping that don't that need? has gone away.
2: Do they try to sell them stuff that they don't need because they're women?
1: I, I they, that's their job to sell you stuff you don't need, but whether they, you're a man or a woman. I guess
2: use that fact that you're a woman as a tool.
1: Yeah, that's the question for me. Is you know, are is is that still? Is there still a massive level of discomfort for a woman to walk into a dealership by herself and negotiate the price of a new car on her own? I I'm you and I are a couple, you know, 50 ish old white guys. Yeah. Right. And even we hate it. And and I hate it. I, 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 I really hate the experience. Although I have to say that I, that I, I recently had a re- experience at a dealership that was terrific but most of the time it's like this feeling of dread to walk through the front door. And I can only imagine that it's that, it's that way, uh, that, that that is amplified because every dealership you walk into is absolutely populated by men.
2: They're trained to make you feel bad about the status quo. What you have oh gee, ooh, that's no good yeah and that
1: you know I don't have a problem with that I mean you know if you're if you're selling dishwashers or whatever it is you're selling you you you've, you've got to have some sales skills to do that you yeah. have to have to have, to have a, a toolbox of things that you can refer to
2: okay. but well women what is is the car buying experience still unpleasant the last time I purchased the car was Portsmouth Circle and they had that the price is the price no arguing maybe I should have argued anyway but I, I didn't and it worked out well.
1: That's how Carmax operates, um, and and they stick to it. There is no; it is the price. That's it. I don't want them to move on it. Right. You know. If, right.
2: right. All right. I wa- let's go right to uh, Paul and Wilbur. Hello, Paul.
3: Hi. How are you?
2: We are hey, well. Paul. I
3: I grew up not too far from your radio station, Nedford, and uh, when I was a kid, I'm seventy one. We used to build. The 55 Chevy with a 327 and a six-cylinder rear it and, and we'd go, like, you know what, up and down the Fellsway. Yeah. And our headquarters was at Wellington Circle. It was a Dunkin' Donuts there, and we all meet there. And, Wellington
2: uh, Circle, wow,
3: yeah. Yeah, that was many years ago, the Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if it's gone or not. I haven't been that way in in, uh, in a long time. Talking about Jeeps, I had a nineteen sixty eight Kaiser Jeep. Yes. Great, great vehicle. Yep. No fuse panel. Fuses were in line.
1: Yeah. Did that <laughs> have the did 70, it? Did that have the uh the V six in it?
3: No, no, that had a an American Mode three twenty
1: seven. Oh, okay. Yep. Big, not like the Chevy. No, no, it's a different engine. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a beast.
2: When you talk about the fuses, no fuse panel, the fuses inline, just like a fuse in the wire. In the wire, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's
3: and I bought a yeah '76 uh, uh, Kaiser Jeep. Yep, which was a lot better. Yep, and uh, and and that was the uh, awesome. I used to use it on the beach in Plymouth.
1: Was it a CJ5?
3: No, no, no. It was a regular Wagoneer.
1: Oh, yeah, Wagoneer. Yeah, right. Oh, those yeah, are the great. All
3: Wagoneers. Yep. They, oh, yeah, the big ones that they used to make wonderful. Yep. Um, they got about 13 miles to the gallon, the one that was a quadra track.
1: Yep. That was, was full time four four-wheel drive. wheel drive. Yeah, oh. right. Yep. Oh. that In that era, when really nothing was four wheel drive, that must have been an amazing feeling to drive that thing around especially you know blizzard of 78 uh That's how so fantastic great. that must that must have been I, at that time i
2: just have what do you have to do to switch to four wheel drive get out
1: you didn't it was, all it was full time four wheel really? drive yep yep and it had right. a it had a low range that was vacuum operated if i remember correctly there was a at least the the cj's that had quadra quadra track had a it was like a vacuum switch inside the glove compartment and you'd switch yep, that over, yep. and that would switch it into low range, but you didn't use it very often. But aside from right. that, it was full time four wheel drive. It was great.
3: Yep, yep. Before that, the '68, you had to go out and turn the
1: hubs. Right, right. Had and you lock had to hubs. You had a separate stick. You had a four wheel drive stick that oh, would get you into low range a separate and high range gearbox. Right, right. So it's a that's the right. transfer case. That's what you shifted into to make it get into four wheel okay. drive. And then you had to lock right. the hubs. Yeah. Joe, I mean, Paul. Sorry, Paul. Yes.
3: Go ahead.
2: No, I I was going to say goodbye, but you have something else. That's fine.
3: Oh, oh, the, uh, you know, Kaiser, uh, not Kaiser, but Chrysler almost went out of business. And then Lee Iacocca took over. And the reason why was they had the five year warranty, if you remember that. Correct. And and they also had uh, um, not only the five year warranty, but they. Built custom built cars, yeah, and that cost them a fortune. It wasn't that you ran it down the assembly line. Yeah, that's I've seen them and custom build
1: them. I mean, but in the in the nineteen seventies, well into the nineteen seventies, into the eighties, you could buy a car from Chrysler or or GM or Ford, for that matter, that was optioned in a way that made it one of one. You know what I mean? They 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 were right. and and that that has disappeared that's that's gone now um you know you can buy a certain level of options uh, but the japanese auto manufacturers really changed that where if look we we've got three trim levels and that's it and you if you want the one with leather you got to buy the third trim level and there's no other options on it you know so that I mean, that's that's kind of the way they did it and it's American manufacturers still offer a fair amount of standalone options but not a whole lot. But you're right, in in those days you could buy you could you could order a Chevelle in 73 with a 454 and a 4-speed and nothing else. Like it didn't have to be an SS, you could just order that engine. You could put that in a wagon if you wanted to. So as a result, the cars cost a fortune to build because you were building one you know, instead of, you know, 20,000 of them. Right. Paul, Paul, thanks a lot. Thanks yep, a lot, Paul. By
3: the way, there was a Chrysler dealer not even a quarter mile from your station, right on the, uh, right on the uh, parkway there. Hulahan Chrysler Plymouth.
1: Yeah, I remember that place.
3: <laughs>
1: do you really? I do, yeah. You're not just saying that. No, I do. Okay.
2: Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Now we go to Joe and Hingham. Hi, Joe.
0: Yes. Good evening, guys. How are you, Great.
1: Joe? What's happening?
0: All right. So, what I wanted to talk about was you—you had, uh, you had touched on before the break about the, uh, you know, a female going to a dealership. Yep. And you know, my my girlfriend had gone to a dealership, which I prefer to not name, which I will not even sure. give them the credit for. Um, and she had been going back and forth with a salesman trying to negotiate a deal, and the game that was being played was. I have to go talk to the sales manager Yep. and they went back and forth a couple of times. And I think that where she was, you know, standing up for herself, Mm -hmm. that the, the, when he came back to the sales manager, he might've went into the bathroom for all I knew. Right. And he came back with a number with a smiley face next to it. And she took such offense to him doing that. That she said to him, if I was a male, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be coming back with a smiley face. Right. She literally stood up and walked out yep. and went elsewhere and bought something else. Yep. Um, but as far as the games go, there, there, there's so many games that are being played that so many people don't even realize. Yeah. And they don't understand, like, like um, one of the things that I learned is... Right. Get it on paper and then negotiate your trade.
1: Yeah, um, and, and negotiate the financing as a separate deal. You know what I mean? It's like it. You know, the, the the best thing that people can do is walk into a dealership pre-approved for financing from your credit union or whatever. Correct. So I,
0: you, I, I 100% agree yep. with that. Yep. And and you know, I think the thing is is that people really don't comprehend. Like when they say you see the commercials on TV, and they they talk about you know incentives, this that, whatever. Right. Um, I had a friend that was going to, he went to a, uh, a a dealership. Now that she is getting ready to go buy another brand new one, I said to her, I said, you know what? I said I don't even need to say a word. I said I want to go with you, and I will bring popcorn, sit back, and <laughs> watch you go. <laughs> Um, But I had a friend who went to um, a dealership to go buy a brand-new vehicle to the tune of $53,000. And the dealership told him they would not take cash.
1: That's insane.
0: And they told him the reason why they wouldn't take it was because they wanted the dealer incentives to come back to them. So he had to pay for three months and then he would be able to pay it off because the dealer would have lost their incentive from the manufacturer
1: from, from whoever the manufacturer was and, right. and you know th- th- so so there are financing incentives they have incentives to to sell you financing that can make that a better deal um, you know when you when you go to purchase it and if you've got the cash I, I and they're gonna throw zero percent financing at you or something. I, I guess I can understand why you'd want to do that, you know. But right, yeah, but I, I, mean, think I, right. I, I think you're right. I think understanding what those what those incentives are and how they work, you you've really got to do that before you walk through the door.
0: Right, but I think I think at the same time though too is if you are willing there to walk into a dealership, hi, this is what I have. We've yep. already negotiated a price. I will pay you cash. That and is I take price. it, I'm gone, and and they would not allow that to happen.
1: Yeah, I think I, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, then I'm gonna find another dealer that's that's willing to take the cash, you know.
0: But it's it, it's almost it's almost a forced. Right. Uh, I don't want to say a forced sale, right? But it's almost like it's forced that if you don't finance this for three months, we can't help you. We out. We can't
1: honor this deal, which is which is that that shouldn't be right. Is that true
2: because they only get the car for a certain price if it's financed because the dealership, I mean, the manufacturer is making money on the financing?
1: Right, right. Right, but
0: I, I understand the dealership makes the money on the financing, but what are they, technically, what are they really making off of three months?
2: not the dealership the manufacturer makes the money after it financing.
1: depends on where they got where they where they got that finance through you know if it was through you know the manufacturer's captive finance arm there right. are there are incentives to take out that financing that allows the dealer then to sell the vehicle at a lower price
0: right now the other thing that I wanted to touch on too was is um like like as far as like if you are going to go lease a car Mm -hmm. and and on a hypothetical let's just say that you just wanted to do it for two years to try out the vehicle to see if you liked it and after the two years you have the option to buy it out Mm -hmm. which you're probably going to get screwed on anyways um... where where what happens is when your lease is close to being up they do send down um, an independent adjuster to go over your vehicle, right? and, and I understand general wear and tear, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you had a simple scratch or a simple ding, mm-hmm. or you had something that was significant that you paid, and you had it taken care of at a body shop, yep. and everything was good, And then you bring it in you didn't take care of the whole car right but you thought what you had was general wear and tear right and and i just had another friend that did this when he did return his lease they hit him for an additional 550 which had nothing to do with being over on the mileage
1: so so there's a couple of things that i just went through this process and uh with with my mom's car that we turned in um was it a lease? Yeah, it was a lease. Okay. So, so the the, the first thing is the is the um, is the residual value, right? So that's yep. the payoff at the end, and yes. sometimes sometimes that's not a great deal. Sometimes it's a really good deal. Well, um, I think
0: that all depends on what you lease. It,
1: it definitely does. Yeah. So, so you know, you you can, and it, and it depends on the timing too. If you at lease something in 2009 when the economy was in the tank the residual value was very low at that time and then all of a sudden three years later the economy had picked up a little bit you had actually there was some there was some equity in that so you could actually sell it back to the dealer and make a few grand off of it which which is it's pretty rare but it happens right so you really need to understand that the other thing so there were there are two things there's the wear and tear um and, and Volkswagen anyway is very specific about what they will accept and what they consider wear and tear. They
0: okay, give- so let me let me ask you this though: Is it is it is it is it them taking the independent adjuster's opinion? With their report before they even see the vehicle before you return it? Yes. Or how does that whole thing work?
1: Yeah. So so w- you know you're going to turn something in. You have an independent, you know, a, a adjuster or whatever come out and look at the vehicle, and mm-hmm. Volkswagen provides you with a little like a bit, almost like a credit card size. I know
0: exactly what you're thing. talking about.
1: And it's like, all right, if your scratch is bigger than this, then then it, then it's you know th- then we're gonna we're gonna ring you up. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've got a scuff in the, you know, if you've you've curb rash the wheels, you're going to have to pay for that kind of stuff. So, so there's that. The the other thing is the lease termination fee if you don't buy another vehicle, if you don't lease another vehicle. Mm -hmm. That's a separate fee charged by the finance company that could be four to five hundred dollars. To complete that lease and you agreed to it when you signed that lease in the beginning. Now
0: the other the other thing that I question and and I don't know if I'm right or wrong by saying this, but what is the actual leasing company or dealership paying for an adjuster to come to your home to do this evaluation?
1: Um I mean it's so it's really it's not the dealership it's the leasing company that's, that's going to, okay. right. So, so, you know, they, they, there's somebody coming to your house to, to, you know, kind of verify that the car is not a heap, you know, I, I mean, I suppose, you know, you could argue that they were influenced in some way by the manufacturer or by the, by the, the leasing company. But I mean, I think in general, they're really, they don't want to make that painful for you. Right.
0: I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're influenced by the manufa- by the leasing company, right But what I'm saying is if if, if, if the leasing company, <clears throat> regardless of where you live, mm-hmm. and, and let's just say you had something financed through Ford, which would be Cab East LLC. Mm-hmm. okay? Now I don't know where they're located out of maybe Connecticut, I'm not sure. but they have to sit there and hire somebody, that has to drive to your home or wherever your vehicle is at the time that your inspection is due. Right, they have to come out. They have to do their thing. I'm going to say a minimum two, three hundred dollars just to do that.
1: Right. So what's so the alternative? You have somebody
0: at the dealership to make that evaluation.
2: Oh, that's what happened I mean Somebody did it. At yeah, the dealership. yeah.
1: It, it, and so, so y- you can act, You can do this at the dealership too. It's just, do you trust the dealership? You know what I mean, like so. I when we turned it in, I didn't have I didn't have an independent guy come out because the car was flawless, right? I mean, okay. it, it was just, you know, it was but, but, obviously but I think, flawless. I think
0: the word "flawless" is an opinion.
1: No, I, it was flawless. <laughs> I mean, it was like this 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 thing. It was unusually fantastic, oh, yeah. right? Okay. So I had no. I had no question that they, complete know, if they were going to, if they were going to come back to me and tell me that there was damage on it, I was going to physically damage the car or go to court or go to court. You know, there's no way they could have. So, so I'm willing to, to, to risk it and just show up at the dealer. And of course I walked away and I just left him the keys and never heard from him. I did that too. You know,
2: Hey Joe, thanks a lot. good call. And I guess we'll take it home talking about project cars. If you have a project you're working on, love to hear it, but. Craig has one that's, you know, typically it seemed like a pretty good idea in the beginning and then it seemed like <laughs> a terrible idea and now it's kind of looking up it's again. Kinda,
1: it's kind of re- resurrected itself. Take and, us through the thing. So I bought an i I've had a 1965 Corvair for a while, a couple of years now. And um, I bought it for super cheap. So, I mean, I'm, I'm into it for short, short money, like barely into four figures money. And really? So, yeah. 1200 bucks. I, I think I bought it for 1000 Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, really cheap money for a class. And it's in solid shape. There's not a lot of rust on it. Underneath is super clean. It was running when I bought it. I got it running the day that I bought, brought it home. But it didn't run well. And we started doing a compression test on it and figured out that we were getting no compression out of one cylinder. So, the it re- that experience really took the wind out of my sails on this thing because all of a sudden it was like, oh, this cheap car that I bought is going to end up costing a lot of money. And I kind of lost interest for a little while. I was thinking about just moving it down the road and it sat for this winter in the garage and I kept looking at it, kept getting mad at it. <laughs> and then I just had, <clears throat> I just had this experience where I kind of looked at it and stepped back a little bit and figured out what I needed to do with it and who I needed to call in to help me out. And I got some help from some friends of mine, and we pulled the engine out of it two weeks ago, uh, separated the transmission from it, and the transmission's sitting on a bench now, waiting to go back in it, and the engine is apart completely. You took it apart? Yeah. yeah. So took the, uh, the the barrels off, it took the heads off, Um, pistons are out, connecting rods are out. It's down to the engine case and the crank. And, uh, I'm trying to, I'm going to go tomorrow actually and take a look at it and kind of decide what I really need to do with it. Um, but it's going to require some money, but I've got a friend who's going to help me put it back together again and hopefully maybe end of the summer. I get this thing back up and running. What needs to be replaced that's not metal, uh, gaskets and things. Yeah, so it's so actually, you know, the Corvair is air-cooled, so the nice thing is there's no, you know, I don't have to worry about water pumps and, and, and cooling passages and all that kind of stuff, so it's a pretty simple, pretty simple operation. So um, I'll replace the pistons, the cylinders, which come out individually. Oh, really? It's like yeah, a sleeve? They come, they, yeah, right, so they, it's like a Volkswagen engine where that cylinder isn't part of the block. Oh that's great. It just slides right out. So what I keeps get, it in there? Um just the bolts. The so bolts. there's 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 uh there's studs that hold okay. hold the hold the barrel. That's in. cool. Yeah. So I can replace those. I can go a little bigger. Um and uh right. it's not super expensive. Um the the kit with pistons, barrels and um bearings are like eight, nine hundred dollars, which is not Super nope. expensive. And then
2: you have a, a new engine. Right. Sort of. Right. What's the hard part of the the, the labor? What's the tricky part? Any tricky it's part? not the bearings? So, so
1: the tricky part <clears throat> is if you split the cases and take the crank out, then you really need to have some expert help to put it all back together again. Um, and I've decided not to do that because as far as we can see, the crank is in good shape. Uh, and this is going to be a less than stressed six-cylinder engine. I'm not going to race this yep. thing or anything. It's just going to be a little driver. So I'm not really that interested in spending a ton of money to have the crank magnafluxed and and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Magnaflux, right? It's a good name so for they, a man. I mean, they check it for cracks. You know that like you know it's it's worth it to do it, but I don't know if it's worth it for this engine. You know the way that I'm going to use it. You know what was it that caused the compression problem? Uh, I don't know. I thought there was a ring, one of the piston rings had eaten itself, and I, I, I couldn't find that inside the engine. So I'm not sure what was causing the the uh, the lack of compression in that in that. So you're range. going to go ahead and order the kit. go order the kit, and then I'm going to have the heads uh, professionally put together. And they'll they'll, uh, uh, they'll deck those heads at a machine shop. They'll put new valves in it and new valve springs and all that kind of stuff. Okay.
2: So. And then what's the next sort of level of project for the project? So
1: Something once I get that engine maybe? back together, uh, I think the next step is to do whatever little minor body work it needs. So it's really not that bad. It really needs like uh, lower quarters in the rear, um, but not, not terrible, and it shouldn't cost a lot of money to do that. You have to just replace the quarters. Yep, just just a little bit of welding in the in the rear quarters, and, and, paint? and huh? Paint, paint. Yep, and I'm gonna, I am gonna have somebody paint it if I decide to do this. Uh, I may not decide to do this. I may decide to just just to put an interior in it and just have fun with it the way it is because I don't mind it the way it is. But I may want to paint it.
2: If we'll, you do we'll paint it, you see.
1: want an awesome job, not a half-baked job. Exactly. I had a half I did a half baked job on the blazer. I don't I, and I and I love it. But in this case I think I'd want to have somebody half do baked. It. Yeah. Okay.
2: So that's twelve hundred plus nine hundred for the kit. What, three hundred for the the well, welding and stuff?
1: So that's like two. The grand. body work is gonna it's it's not gonna be cheap. It just it it just you can't get it cheap anymore. Yeah. If you have somebody do it. How much and is I'm, a good paint job? I don't even know. I mean, I, I you can throw a number at me, and I wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, until I get it to somebody and have them take a look at it. It's a great body shop in Hollister that won't I've been go doing there. stuff with.
2: Uh-oh, better call Michael. No, go.
1: no. I had a bad experience there. I, I I did. I mean, I brought the blazer there. I was going to have them paint it. And, you know, it was the $900 special. And I rolled the truck in, and they're like, yeah, it's going to cost you three grand." It was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, it's big. That's for like a that's for like a Geo Metro. It's like you don't have to paint half the car. You don't you don't paint the roof. Right. It's like the you know it's not. Did you do it or you walk no, away? No, that was I walked away, and that's when I decided that I was going to paint it myself.
2: <laughs> how did you paint it yourself?
1: With a roller and Rustoleum. <laughs> and it looks good. Good enough. It looks good enough, but roller. I don't want to do. Yeah, that's a truck. I can live with that. It looks good, actually. It's shocking how good it looks, but. With the Corvair, I, I think I'd want to have somebody actually do, do it.
2: There's not the
0: over, no. the lines of overlap no. on the roller?
1: No, you would what be kind shocked. I used Rustoleum from from Lowe's, and I thinned it and used the little foam, you know, those foam rollers. Yeah. And when you roll it on, the paint flows out. It's If you thin it right, it just flows out beautifully. You wouldn't believe so that it when you saw it. That was a big win for you, really. Yeah, it was. We put four coats of paint on it. And it looks pretty good. And someday, know. maybe
2: before the summer's over, you'll drive the Corvair
1: here. That's what I would love to do. That'd be cool. July, maybe when I come in in July, uh, August. Well, let's say August. That's
2: good. It's good. It's like having a gig when you're in a band because yep. it makes you
1: yes, rehearse exactly. And maybe this will,
2: you know, we'll we will uh, Facebook Live. Yes, it. Okay, that's a thing. We'll put a
1: stake in the ground in my my August, first week in August. On
2: this day. Really? Okay.
1: Good. See if we can get there.
2: And you're going to try to keep it under. Is that going to be with the paint or without?
1: No paint. No, no. Okay. It'll be fine. So so that I'm not worried about this year. I just want to get it mechanically really running well.
2: Okay. Hey, do you have any uh, car trips coming up a lot of times? Manufacturers or somebody will. Say, Craig, come out here and try out this new car. You got any
1: one of those coming the, up? The only thing I've got coming up uh, right away is next week I'm going to the New York Auto Show. Oh, yeah, uh, nice. For press what, what's
2: the big thing everybody's looking forward to?
1: Uh, I don't think you're going to see the Bronco at this one. Uh, I would imagine that's going to be Detroit. In, but in previous shows, you said you have said you'll never see the Bronco. I know, and it's coming.
2: It's going to happen.
1: And I think it's going to be better than I think it was. Good. Yeah.
2: All right. Excellent. Thanks for coming in. It's always such a pleasure.
0: Plus